This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment, News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. You know the man, you know the name. He's, you've seen him on stage, you've seen him doing the weather, and you've probably seen him behind the scenes a little bit. It is Gus Gordon. How are you doing, sir? Kevin, I am fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing Great. pretty good. So, you have been around the Springfield area in central Illinois doing theater and various things for a long time. Tell me about your history here in Illinois, how you, if you moved here, if you were... Sure. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I came here in 1990. Um, that was... When were you born, Kevin? 94. Okay. So I came here before you were born yep. um, to work at Channel 20. I had been working in Cincinnati as a morning weather caster. Nice. And um, I answered an ad for uh, Channel 20. They were looking for an evening weather caster to replace someone who had left. And I applied for the job and got it and came to Springfield. And, you know, like a lot of broadcasters, I intended on staying here for two years working a basic contract and then moving on to whatever the next step would be in my career. But as, um, you know, fate would have it, I enjoyed Springfield. I liked the arts situation here in town, and I liked the people that I met. And all of a sudden, two years became 30 years. So I just <laughs> recently celebrated my 30th anniversary in town. And, um, you know, in some cases, it seems like a lifetime ago. And on other days, it seems like it was just yesterday that I first got here. But one of the first things I heard about was the Muni. Mm -hmm. And we had, I had heard about the Muni from some friends who had done theater in other cities. And the reputation had already gone well within, well outside of the city limits. So I was aware of the organization. And my first year in town, I auditioned, but I had no idea if I would be able to get off work to be able to do a show mm. and they had no idea the muni directors had no idea how they would work around my very odd schedule since i worked night at the tv station right. so that first year i didn't get cast but the second year lee steiner took a chance on me and cast me in the muni's 1991 production of into the woods yes and it, it worked out and i was able to do a show and rehearse during my dinner break at the tv station and be back and forth and my, my first uh, boss at Channel 20, Jack Connors, who was the general manager, realized, hey, this is a pretty good promotional thing. It's good for the station to have Gus out in the public. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just started from there. I had, I had performed for years in Cincinnati, and I had lived in Nebraska for a short time. Um, I'd done some shows in Northern Kentucky with uh, Northern Kentucky University. So I had a long resume of shows before I got here, but I was able to, you know, do a show a year for a while. And then I started, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit and would do two shows a year. And now, good gosh, I'm doing 15 different <laughs> things a year now that I'm at the Hope. Yeah. So, let's, so uh, that's how I came to town. <laughs> okay, good. Nice. It's great. And uh, so talking also a bit about the, the Hoagland, um, how so that building's gone through a, a few different uh, a few different places in, uh, yeah. in the time it's been around. How did it become the Hoagland Center for the Arts and how did you become into the how did you rather come into the position that uh, you are in with it now? Right. Well, you know, like I said, I, I started doing the Muni show in 1991, mm -hmm. and then over the intervening years, I did shows with the Springfield Theater Center, Theater in the Park, 
uh, the Little Theater on the Square in Sullivan, Lincoln Lane Community College. I did some things with the ballet company and with the Jacksonville Symphony and the Illinois Symphony. So I had, over a long period of time, become known for being involved in the arts community. Yeah. And, you know, first night used to happen at the Masonic Temple. That's what the Hopeland is now. But yep. when it was the Masonic Temple, first night would occasionally be performed here. And I think my first time at the Masonic Temple was in the 90s and when we were doing a first night show. And the stage was very different uh, when it was the Masonic Temple. It was a nice space, yeah. but it was very different than what it is now. Then in about 2000, uh, Dennis Bringett, Tom Appleton, Grace Nanavati, and several other community leaders um, started to put together a group um, called Springfield Art Center, Inc., that um, raised the money to purchase the Masonic Temple when the Masons decided to sell mm -hmm. because they had um, it, it just became such a burden to maintain since it was such a huge building. And um, so the, the Masons sold it, the arts uh, organization bought it, and then started raising money to turn it into the uh, Center for the Arts. And they were successful in their fundraising. They got the building open on December 31st of 2003. Um, it became the Hoagland Center for the Arts the following year, 2004, when Charles and Kay Hoagland donated a, mo a million dollars for the naming rights. Oh. And um, that was a huge, a huge um, amount of money. And um, they, the Hoagland family has been so supportive over the years, keeping us keeping us going, and uh, that's how it became the Hoagland Center for the Arts. And really, the, the main idea was, uh, Kay Fuhr, who used to be with the Arts Council years ago, had this idea for having an arts center in Springfield. And the Masonic Temple, once it became available, became kind of like the perfect spot, because it was such a big building, mm -hmm. and it could hold so many different arts groups. And that was the original idea, to get all these different arts groups together in one building so they could work together, they could have more power as a, as a whole than just as individual organizations. They could have more advertising, more visibility in the community. And um, it really was a, a, a great idea of the original founders. Uh, and Kay Fuhrer was part of that. Karen Hesera had been there at that time. So a lot of people made this building happen, and they were, they were forward-thinking people who realized that it would be great for the downtown, it would be great for the city, not just culturally, but economically as well, because it's, you know, we, we bring thousands of people to downtown Springfield each week, or we did pre-pandemic, that is. Um, so they realized the value in having all these groups down here it was great for, you know, I hate to use a buzzword like this, but synergy mm -hmm. It really is appropriate because it's all these different groups coming together. And the energy that came off of that was just overwhelming. Um, I like to describe the Hoagland as a beehive of activity. Mm -hmm. And most days, pre-pandemic again, yes. that's how it was with people coming and going. And you'd have kids there and you'd have young adults, you'd have middle-aged people, you'd have senior citizens all participating in the different art forms. It wasn't just theater, it wasn't just music or dance, it was all of those things. And um, it, it struck me years ago, a friend of mine, Sue Hamilton, who's a voice teacher in town and a vocal director, came up to me after we were doing Ragtime. We did a concert version of Ragtime in 2011. 
And Sue was just kind of shaking her head and said, you know, this place really is the heart of the arts. Mm -hmm. And that just stuck with me because I, I agreed with it so much because it, it's, it's not just one thing. It covers so many different art forms. And um, I, I think that has been the key to our success that we uh, just kind of welcome everybody in the community, all age groups, all styles of entertainment, poetry, film, television, um, orchestral, vocal, dance, folk dance, the written word. It, it just we, we really cover it all here in some form or another. And I think that's what's made the building such an asset to the city. So you're right, we have gone through several stages in our existence and um, we had gotten to a really good place. We were doing well. Financially, things were going okay. Um, you know, Kevin, it's an 80,000 square foot building, which mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. And there's always going to be struggles to pay for the heating and cooling. And the building is 100 years old. So there's always going to be, or at least a portion of it is 100 years old. Yeah. So there's always going to be, you know, physical things that have to be repaired and taken care of. So financially, you know, it's always going to be um, challenging, but um, we had been doing well before the pandemic took place, and then everything kind of ground to a halt. It was, uh, you know, you were involved in the production of Into the Woods. Yeah, we were, we were working on that, and it just, it we was... ready to go. We were, we yeah, we were... Left. Yeah, we were almost at the, you know, orchestra rehearsal tech week, and it was, you know, and it just, that Friday, um, you know, we right. said that we can't... You know, it's it was really, it was it was really it was really unfortunate. I do want to. Um, you, you're starting to talk a little bit about it. I mean, how has the these past couple of months? Um, it's it's been it has been tough for a lot of different theater communities. Um, sure. What is uh, going forward? What is going to be? Or do you know? Have a sort of in your mind, or do you know what's going to be happening show wise? Um, programming-wise, that sort of thing. Right. Well, here's the deal. No one really knows 100% sure what's going right. to happen. We could find ourselves, you know, we might discover that with all the outdoor activity, with things opening up, that we might be taking a step backwards mm. health-wise. Or we might find out that, hey, things are going great. People are getting together in, in groups again outside and not getting sick. And so that, that might speed up. We're really, you know, following the, the governor and the state's five-phase plan. And unfortunately, for a venue like the Hoagland, we are in stage five, mm -hmm. which means that a vaccine has been found or a widely available and effective cure has been found. So I don't know when that might happen. But until that time, we're in, at least at the, the day we're recording this, uh, we're in phase three. Mm -hmm. And um, that means 10 people or less in a group. Yeah. Um, when we get to phase four, we'll be able to have 50 people or less. And we'll have to have still, you know, enact social distancing. My thought is that we'll be in phase four for quite some time. So programming will have to be different. We can't have 400 people in the auditorium and a cast of 40 on stage. No. We can have, you know, a two-person show maybe where they're not got to be careful because you can't put the actors in jeopardy. You can't have them do a love scene yeah. um, unless they've been in quarantine together for 14 days beforehand. Um, yeah. and you can't have them wearing masks. And then you, of course, have um, like an orchestra if it's a concert or you have stage crew. And yeah, it's it's, right. it's a tough, yeah. 
you, well, you, you well know from your involvement that 50 people limit could easily be made up of the cast, the orchestra, the backstage crew. Yeah, that was one of the... So the, you have no one in the audience. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things we were thinking with. Under the woods, we're like, hey, this is going to like quickly fill up the you know the uh, top requirement of people that can be in one enclosed place at a time. Yeah, it's... it's exactly. Yeah. And, you know, an, another problem with shows that we just don't have the answer to yet, and this was this was one of the things that on that, that very sad Friday night, and it, it was Friday the 13th. It I was. It oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, how appropriate was that? Yeah. But when I had to talk to the cast and say, we, we just can't go forward at this point, because what happens if one of the lead characters gets sick? Yeah. And even if it's not serious, but they have to quarantine, what do you do? Does the whole cast have to go into quarantine? Does the building have to shut down? Yeah, cause it's just, cause everyone's... there are so many questions, and we don't have all the answers to that yeah. yet. So we're hopeful that it, when we get to the stage of 50, we might do some very small-scale shows. Oh, yeah. Shows that we might have produced in the club room, which is one of our smallest spaces mm-hmm. in the past. We might produce them in the LRS, which is our big theater. We might have to spread the audience out. We might have one or two people on stage. You know, we, we, we're getting so much information thrown at us. We're hearing from choral societies saying choral singing won't be safe until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Because of the close proximity and how much... Um, you know, force that people are singing, so everything oh, yeah. that's in their lungs is being expelled out beyond six feet. Yeah. Same thing with brass instruments. Mm-hmm. You're blowing oh, through those horns. Goodness. And yeah, so those are things we're all trying to keep in mind. Um, we're all, you know, trying to find ways to stay creative and to stay optimistic. Uh, the Hoagland has been doing a series we partnered with Memorial Health System. We're doing a series called yes. Seize the Day, mm-hmm. yes, yes. which our president, Lee Steiner, kind of has put together, along with Diana Kanabi from Memorial Health System. We um, give tips on mental health, on how to stay positive in this uncertain time, how to deal with anxiety and isolation and depression. But then we, we tie it into a theme, and we have a musical number or an artistic number that... Um, relates to that and so our first one i think appropriately yep. we had four of the cast members from into the woods um chloe jankosik uh, joel ochoa west bridges and hannah levin they sang no one is alone they all sang it from their houses mm-hmm. in isolation yeah but they sang that number from into the woods which just tells us we're not alone in this we yes. have people to support us we have friends and they're so important and it was a perfect message start off this whole process yes gus how can people listening uh how can they find not only these uh these segments of seize the day but how can they get sure. in contact with uh the hoakland center for the arts either on facebook or website or or getting in contact with you right well um, our information is on our website we're hcfta.org they can um, find our contact information there we have links to the web series, uh, Seize the Day. We have a link to our, our donation page. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Kevin, that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. We are no longer in production mode. We have to be in fundraising mode to yep. keep the building afloat. It's um, it's scary because, yep. you know, we still have CWLP bills. We still have, you know, we, we've had to reduce the staff significantly. We're using a skeletal staff right now. and. That was one of the, the hardest 
worst things that I had to go through this whole experience is to tell people I really like, we just don't have any shows going on, so we can't, there's, there's, we don't have a need for box office staff or weekend, you know, um, people to watch the door, things like that. Yeah. That stunk. It was not fun at all. And, um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to raise money to make sure that once this crisis is over, and it will be, these things happen in society and they pass eventually. But we just need to make sure that we're still here and operating and fully functioning, or at least able to get back to fully functioning once the crisis is over. Because I think we've all learned during the time we were sheltering at home, um, the arts are really important. Yes. That's, that's what gave people hope, you know, watching John uh, um, Krasinski and mm-hmm. his uh, good news uh, segments and watching, at least for the theater community, watching all these Broadway cast and touring cast put together these uh, montages of songs. Um, the one I loved the best was um, Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray, and yeah. all the Hairspray cast members participated in that. You know, those are moments that give uplift and hope and that's why the arts are so important and i think we've gotten a good lesson in that they they are important and worth worth supporting so they can go to our website they can go to facebook we're on youtube uh, pretty easy just type in hopeland center for the arts and they'll take you right there we're on instagram and twitter as well but i'm an old guy and i don't do that as much <laughs> as i do facebook or youtube yeah. Um, but we're there. We do have a presence. And we're just trying to you know, keep positivity in the air, um, looking towards the future and how we're going to open again and make it safe for everyone, the performers, the visitors, the, the audience members, the staff, and so forth. So we're, we're trying to figure all those things out and uh, trying, to, trying to stay positive and be a good force for the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Gus, for talking with me. We're going to do this again soon. All right, Kevin. Thanks very much. Thank you.